you know, if the global warming scaremongers and carpet baggers were right, none of this we're seeing now would actually be happening. We wouldn't, for a start, be having one of our coldest ever starts to a winter. In Brisbane, the coldest since 1904, more than a century ago, and we wouldn't have all this snow either. I'm standing here in Perisher, high in the Australian Alps, on more than a metre of snow. It is the deepest this early in the season since 1968. Just over the border in Victoria, the resort areas of Falls Creek and Mount Hotham have their deepest early season snow since records began back in 1993. I've been on this planet for 44 years and I've never experienced anything like this. Now, hearing all that, I just wonder if the CSIRO is going to go, uh, whoops, <laughs> nearly 20 years ago predicted that global warming could cut the ski season now, today, right now, by more than 25% at higher sites like, well, Mount Hotham as well, and by up to 60% at lower sites like Mount Borbor. But I don't know, these snowfalls do suggest to me, at least, that could it have just exaggerated the problem just a bit, but... I mean, really, do these types ever admit a mistake? As, as Tim Flannery, you know, even the rain that falls will not actually fill our dams in our river systems. Still to hear a sorry. But can our politicians, and particularly our Prime Minister, keep pretending that this global warming circus really is, you know, all on track, everything's working out as predicted? Can they do that when Australians are freezing when we're running out of electricity and cheap gas to heat our homes and when solar and wind power, our great saviours, are failing. Because this is very much not what we were told would happen. And because of this, thousands of Australians could lose their jobs and pensions could even die in homes that some cannot afford to heat. But Albanese still doesn't get it. Our new Prime Minister still can't see that his radical global warming policy is now dead where it better be. Albanese right now is just one of the political leaders still in denial as Australians are hit by the highest prices they've ever seen for gas and electricity. And in fact, these people are not just wrong, but complete hypocrites. Let me explain. In Victoria, for instance, Premier Daniel Andrews now says that he wants more gas because of the huge prices, lack of supply, and because so many people are turning on their heaters. But this is the very same Daniel Andrews global warming crusader who two years ago actually boasted how it stopped people finding more gas, how it banned fracking for coal seam gas and even banned conventional gas exploration on land until recently. He's also the Premier whose anti-coal rules have helped force shut the giant Hazelwood coal-fired power station when its owners realised it had no future in Victoria. Same story in New South Wales, same hypocrisy. You take New South Wales Treasurer Matt Keane, another climate catastrophist. There's Keane today also complaining there's not enough fossil fuel around for heating homes. But what we can do is get our coal-fired power stations back online so that they're providing the bulk of the electricity at this time. We want renewables and coal at the moment providing electricity. More coal. But this is the same Matt Keane who earlier helped convince power companies it wasn't worth investing in coal or gas or refurbishing their ageing power stations to keep them going a bit longer to use right now. 
Why would they when this Matt Keane declared he wanted New South Wales powered totally by renewables in just eight years from now? If you care about cheap energy and reliable energy, then you're looking at wind, solar and pumped hydro. So is it any surprise that AGL hearing these anti-coal policies closed one of the four units of its Liddell coal-fired power station in New South Wales just two months ago and announced that the rest would shut next year. Boy, we miss that electricity now, don't we? And is it any surprise that the rearing power station will also now shut again in New South Wales in just three years, while TV hosts cheer as we blow up the coal-fired power stations that global warming politicians have already helped to make uneconomic, like this one, again, in New South Wales. There we go! And... <laughs> now, we really have to hold these guys to account for the way they've wrecked our power system. I tell you what, it takes a special idiocy to run out of cheap power in a country like this with huge supplies of coal, gas, oil and uranium. But here's the thing. Anthony Albanese, our new Prime Minister, he looks at these this, this shambles, this embarrassment, and today said, well, guys, the answer is to push the same global warming policies, but even harder. We need to do exactly what we said we would do. Exactly what we said we would do, which is to have a, a plan uh, to ensure that we move to 82% renewables by 2030. Even more renewables. But as I said last night, the head of our Energy Security Board this week pointed out how hard it would be to reach that target of 82% renewable electricity. In fact, insane. I mean, she said we need to build eight times as much renewable energy than we have right now, plus at least $14 billion of investment to join transmission-wise to all those new solar and wind farms in just the next 10 years, a lot more after that. And, she said, it's actually mind-boggling when you stop to think about how we're actually going to do all that. Now, you might be saying, well, you know, wait, doesn't this energy crisis actually prove that we do need to just build more wind and solar farms? That'll fix it. In fact, it proves the opposite. Because I don't know if you listened today to a terrific forum on this here on Sky News. Now, you're being told, well, you know, Part of the cause of electricity shortage is a lot of coal-fired generators suddenly offline at the same time. Let's have more solar and wind. But what you're not told is that wind and solar, the ones we've got already, actually failed. That's why we're in the shtuk as well. They failed so badly that Labor's idea, and McKean's as well, that we just need lots more renewables, plus, you know, batteries and pump storage for when the wind doesn't blow, the sun doesn't shine. That plan is actually nuts. Because here's what Frank Calabria, who's the head of Origin Energy, our biggest electricity supplier, told that forum today. Batteries will come in and they'll operate for hours. Pump storage will come in and it'll operate for maybe a, a, a good portion of a day. But what we've seen in the power system right now is probably a month or so of low wind, no solar, and the reality is we will need that backup capacity. So these hugely expensive batteries will last only, you know, a few hours. But how will that cope with a month of lower wind and little solar? A month? And that's because of all these rain clouds, of course. The sun doesn't shine, etc., etc. 
And Labor says we're going to rely on that wind and that solar, that so unreliable, for 82% of our electricity. Seriously? As Calabria said, you would need to have a massive second power system built in the background to kick in when the wind and solar fail like it has in the last month. Two power systems essentially doing the one job, which is why going green costs an absolute fortune. So, there we are. Global warming isn't the great threat we were told. Solar and wind aren't the great solutions that we were told. And, by the way, Labor's plan is going to cost an absolute nightmare. I think it's time Anthony Albanese checked these facts and pulled the plug on his plan.